Hey, this is Agent Vincent from the Department 7 podcast, and I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. And don't forget, GM Dave does not exist. Mmm, Yoda, this is. To the Order 66 podcast, never do I listen. Hi, this is Rob Shanti, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because I'm too busy talking to the gazebo. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Gamer Nation to this episode number 76, a little bit late, but or a little bit early, depending on your point of view. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to the show for the Order 66 podcast. I'm GM Dave. Dave, I think you'll find that many of the truths we cling to in life often depend on your point of view. Really? Yes, indeed. What is up, Gamer Nation? I am here as well, and I am GM Chris. And I am TG, Tweelet Goodness, oh. joining these fine, wonderful men for this beautiful podcast. Fine <laughs> specimen. Fine specimen. <laughs> and for those of you who may be listening to this for the very first time, this uh, beautiful podcast, thank you, TG, is yeah. the Order 66 podcast, the only fan-generated podcast entirely devoted to the glory that is Star Wars Saga Edition. Indeed. Oh, you know what? And I forgot to say one thing. Now, this episode of the Order 66 podcast is brought to you in part by Audible.com and Buy.com and and by the generous contributions like, and I, I don't know exactly how to say it, but I think it's like Elaine Paquette, but I'm not entirely sure. Of someone Ottawa. Who made a, someone who made a generous contribution. Of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Oh, very nice. Yes. Not to be <laughs> confused with Libex State of Quebec. <laughs> but you would also know him as Lewin Sewell on the forums. Very nice. Very Thank nice. you it could be very Alan. much, sir. It could be like Alain. I'm not sure. <laughs> Paquette. Paquette. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We have a great show lined up for you guys. This is our, our pre-Gen Con show. And we're going to go back to basics to give you guys a little taste since it's good. we're going to be you know kind of discombobulated for the next week or so with Gen Con this and then post-Gen Con this. So uh, let's say we get some started with some some important news to, to share. Yes, no? No, yes. Yes. Whoa! Sorry. What happened? Did I lose Skype again? No. you got to be kidding me. Are we? I got you. Can you not hear us? Dave? I got you now. I got you now. I'm not sure. I got a Skype warning all of a sudden that said, rah, rah, and then I lost you for like three seconds. No, we're just we're we're here and we're fine. See, it wouldn't be the order sixty six if we didn't have some kind of audio <laughs> meltdown right at the beginning of the show. I mean, 
Seriously speaking, I, 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 I don't know. Why don't we just go ahead and start? Is that all right with you? Yep. Okay. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisitions. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. Hey, how did you like that R2 unit giving us a, I never listened to the Order 66? Oh, you know, I don't speak binary, but I was able to put it together. Very nice. Yeah. Very nicely done. Thanks, R2. That was fantastic. That was, uh, that was, that was original. 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 Okay. You know what? In in my in my duties as program director, I occasionally occasionally get to add new podcasts to the D twenty radio network. And so we've added two new podcasts. How about that? And our friends at Reaper, Reaper Brian and the Hov, have begun a project that they affectionately call City of Doors. Dude, it's good. I listened to the first episode. Um it's good. It is so fluffy and juicy i'm dude it's bravo gentlemen big time man it is it is the yin to the yang of rfh rfh is crunch these guys are uh you know fluff yeah dude yeah i'm I'm, i love it we have two phenomenal fantasy podcasts on our show now and i'm i'm our, our network now i'm totally stoked heck yes and the other one of course is live from milwaukee wisconsin the brew city gamers nice Indeed, they've been around for a while, man. That's a pretty established cast. Yeah, they've had thirty something episodes, and so they contacted us and really, you know, wanted to become a part of our network. They obviously they have their own presence. They have their own, you know, it was something that was really neat to have them want to come in and and be a part of D twenty Radio, and you know, they listen to our shows and stuff. So you know, and these guys, these guys do a good show. You can go back and listen to one episode one, and their episode one was like our episode one, where yeah, 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 but it gets better and it gets better and it gets better. Yeah, dude. Well, welcome to the network, guys. That's totally awesome. Yay! And uh, I, I guess just in, in light of all the newness coming out, our other podcasters have been chomping at the bit to to get stuff out themselves. I know Radio Free Hamlet, our fourth edition podcast, our primarily fourth edition podcast, has 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 won the podcast Cold War and beaten <laughs> out Game On to release Adventure Twenty Seven. DMs Tim Cat uh, uh, Tim uh, uh, Kate. Thank you, Tim <laughs> Kate David and Jackson tackle the druid. That was the Freudian uh, slip. Very, very, very Freudian slip. Yes. <laughs> Freudian slip of the tongue. So that's awesome, and I want to—I really want to listen to that because I'm a huge fan of the PHP two, and the Druid was one of my favorite classes in it. So I'm stoked. Yep. I'm stoked. Yep. Yeah. So I've heard that meanwhile the Super Gaming Podcast was busy, dude. Meanwhile, meanwhile, they got two episodes going. Episode number 18, another Alan Goodall about the favored land, a new Civil War setting for the Wild Talents game. Dude, that's that's superheroes in the Civil War. It is farking awesome. (laughs) How cool is Is that? Is that not awesome? And then they follow up with episode 19, which is talking all about the Bash system. So how about that? Bash? 
Yeah, I haven't played Bash. I gotta, I gotta, I like to listen to that. Besher, Dude. Besher, Besher, jo- Besher, jo- Besher. Look at Besher, Joe. Besher. He's busy, man. Go mostly Joe. Woohoo. Yeah, before you know it, he's gonna add a third podcast to the neck and neck race that is going for episode 30. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And yeah. of course, Harry Brev and the Half Blood Jet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> shocked us all with a new episode of Cinematic Attic. Real <gasps> Six is up oh. now. I know. I guess like threatening to cancel them and shut down their forums was probably good motivation. It's it's funny. Yeah. It's funny how that show went up like four days after we locked their threads. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, dude, we gotta show up now. Come on. It's a good episode though, and and you know for Harry Potter fans, you'll really you really jive with it. They talk about a lot of goodness there. Yeah. Short but sweet. Very yep. nice. Yep. Yep. You know what? And all of a sudden, Brev just starts talking, and that mouth just won't keep, just won't stay shut. As he and Penny go for episode number 10, Minnie's Mayhem, and Boba by any other name. It's still Boba. They they got busy with the Boba, let me tell you that. Yo, Boba. Boba T? Yo, Boba. No, no, no. The Fett. The Fett Fett Meister, man. Oh. Wow, I feel stupid now. (laughs) The hell, JC? What the hell? What the hell? The, the, what the hell Boba, did I say? Boba the Fett. And then, also on the network, the Minus World finally graces our ear canals again. Uh, Dylan is back from his honeymoon, so the boys grace us with episode five, Gaming Through Life. Very, yeah. very nice. And episode six, Gaming Ends When You Say Oh, is that, up, is that up as well now? No, I'm just I'm just saying that sometime in the future, his next his another episode will be Gaming Ends When You Say I Do. Oh, ooh. But, you know. It's not true. Well, yeah, he, yeah you, I, hey, you had two gamers that got married, so it's cool. Yes. But I wasn't a gamer before I met him. The, the, gaming, the gaming podcasts like, need to, like, uh, one of the gaming podcasts need to, need to do a show about gamer, gamers and gamer wives or gamers and non-gamer wives. And, like, a, uh, a public service announcement. For those of you that have to cope with a non-gaming spouse, here's how to do it. That's a good idea. Yep. We could put something together for that. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. I speak from experience, boys. I can actually go on your show. <laughs> so, guess what? What? Coming out of the darkness, um, I'm, I'm not sure where this came from, but uh, there's a new case number five from uh, something called Department 7, which I don't believe exists. No, that's just a rumor. That Department 7 does not exist. Yep. No. So, I hear that I mean- Agent Rick was a dickhead, and so they kicked him off the show. And, Whoa! What? And Dane Denaith has really? taken his place. Yep, Dane Denaith is now part of the Department Seven cast with the other two. And so they, wow. but this this episode they talk about uh, rounding out rounding out the discussion of the D twenty Modern Core uh, rulebook. So awesome. yeah, give a listen. And I, I really don't know if uh, if Agent Rick was being a P Rick or not, but you know it it made for good radio. people are gonna listen just to find out if that's the real case see that's that's the intention (laughs) that's right see that's the tease that's the tease all right man tell us about gen con boy okay holy schmoly moly 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 gen con cometh folks next week toilet goodness myself and about 20 scores of you that have communicated with me are all going to be there 20 scores that's 400 people dude Okay, maybe maybe two Whoa. score. <laughs> okay, so a two score of you have communicated directly with me that you're going to be there, 
and we're going to have some awesome pickup gaming going on as well. It's going to be great. So how, how, of course, if you're going to be at Gen Con next week, do you keep in touch with myself and the Gamer Nation? Of course. Can I guess? Can I guess? Please do, TG. Please do. I'm going to guess listen to the past episodes because you give so much detail about how to do that. Potentially, yes. Yes, Twitter. 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 Twitter him. That's all you need to know. Twitter him. <laughs> Twitter.com slash GM Chris. Add me as a friend. I would accept you and you will receive my tweets. The Twitologists. Uh, you know, we, we, we can be twits together. And uh, I will uh, be broadcasting <laughs> game information. Also, Gary Sardley, Jedi counselor and developer, uh, has created a, a sort of group Twitter uh, that everyone can communicate back and forth on, which is Twitter slash SWRPG. And he has graciously volunteered also to use his booth, which is booth 1923, across from Watsi in the dealer hall. Um, to be sort of the uh, sort of a communal hub for those who without uh, sort of mobile access, and he's going to have a whiteboard up where people can write up game information and sign up and do stuff like that. So that's also a great thing. Thank you, Gary, very much for doing that. So it comes, and I don't know. I'm I'm so excited at this point. I'm almost mellow. I'm I've had my excitement. And I, I, I <laughs> you can't. no, you're not. You are so not mellow. No, I'm not. Every like. 30 minutes, he picks up his phone to put another note in there. Oh, there's one more thing I got to do for Jinkon. Oh, one more thing. Yeah. You are so not mellow. Dude, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. But the cool part, Dave, Dave, have you been watching the auction for the dream date? No, dude. Dude. People love us. Oh, it's fantastic. All eight people who've bid love us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, and you guys remember last episode we had we had we had Hans Cummings, who is the uh, the, uh, the 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 fellow who came on the show and kind of told us the history behind it. And he mentioned, of course, that one of the ways the ways the Any Awards makes money is that they do dream dates where they auction off an evening with you know your favorite publisher and some swag. Well, I, I wish the results were better, but this year there were seven dream dates posted up for auction. The auctions take place on eBay for five days. Uh, in particular, Box Ninja, Paizo. Us, the Order 66 podcast, D20 Radio, Malhavik Press, Fantasy Flight Games, uh, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, and White Wolf Publishing were the only ones to post up a dream date. And the Order 66 podcast and D20 Radio posted up, of course, an evening with myself and TG, but also a fair amount of swag. And that swag including a brand new copy of the Core Rulebook, second edition printing with all the errata signed by the host of the Order 66 podcast, uh, a custom prototype elite d20 radio standing dice bag loaded with d20 radio custom dice and dave how big is the flash drive that you ended up getting uh it's just eight gig oh it's eight gig great fantastic eight gig okay so eight gig we were able to get uh an eight gig high capacity flash drive with every single episode of the order 66 podcast already loaded on it absolutely brilliant and that is all up in the bundle and bidding is up to 76 bucks man not yeah, yeah. there are 18 hours and 9 minutes how are, from this point right now. How are we doing in reference to the other dream dates? Uh, it depends. Excuse me. 17 hours, 39 minutes. I needed to refresh. Um, it, it depends. The, the other dream dates are, are actually doing extremely... Some of them are doing not as good as us. Some of them are doing extremely good. Like, for example... I think we're like, I think we're like fourth out of all of them. So yeah. We're right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like look, we're... We're at seventy six dollars. Box Ninjas at forty one. Mal uh, Malhavik is at fifty two. Uh, Cubicle Sevens at twenty eight bucks. But then you've got like like White Wolf's at over a hundred dollars. 
um, Fantasy Flight's at over 150 and of course, well, yeah. Paizo is over $350 at this point. Well, of um, course, because they're like big time. They're big time. Guys. They're big so, market. Yeah. They are big time. Big time. So you, anyway, you guys have 17 hours and 39 minutes from the time I'm speaking these words. Gosh, I hope you get this soon to get on there and bid. Bid your little heart's content. You can get some really cool swag for fairly cheap. Yep. So awesome sauce. That's awesome. Hey, and we're... if it gets over $300 for us, I'll wear a special bikini outfit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. And I'll take the pictures. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. All right. And we'll wrap up the news with this. This is a Holonet News Flash. I'm Luke Lowbrow. In response to the recent Wookiee Lederhosen crisis and the ensuing contentious public debate over Wookiee hygiene, the Imperial Minister of Health, Dorgal Nuni Nudihead, held a press conference to clarify the Empire's position. Here are some excerpts from his remarks. Quote, If the government issues guidance for galactic citizens to avoid sharing combs or hairbrushes with Wookiees, you shouldn't assume it means that Wookiees have any sort of flea or tick problem any more than the dozens of other super hairy races out there. If all of you little busybodies need to know, the fact is that all Wookiees with proper hygiene must own two separate hairbrushes. One brush is for normal grooming. The second brush is for use in the restroom, when Wookiees must brush the hair on their hindquarters in a direction that avoids unwanted contact with the toilet bowl water. More importantly, this brushing reduces the likelihood of the Wookiee's hair coming into contact with any passing biological waste products. Exposure to the proverbial Wookiee dingleberry is more than enough to ruin your dinner party. It may stunt the growth of your unborn children. Many citizens wonder about Wookiee etiquette and how to deal with one with poor hygiene. If a pungent Wookiee spends too much time on your couch, is it impolite to get rid of that couch? The short answer is no. It's never impolite, even if you have to set the couch on fire in your backyard. What is impolite is if you try to sell it on Craigslist or eBay. Unquote. I'm Luke Lowbrow for Holonet News Network. <laughs> <laughs> Marvelous update. Yeah, yes. here we go. He tried to make it shorter for you, Dave. Uh, he did, I know. And, and I told him, I was like, dude, you come up with this kind of stuff that's making everybody laugh like this, and you can go three minutes. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the proverbial Wookiee Dingleberry, that's just... Uh, <laughs> Wow. Okay. So speaking of uh, speaking of dingleberries, did you get a, a postcard? Jeez. Oh God. Hey, don't talk about our good friend Commander Cody like that. Yes, I did get a postcard from our fine Imperial servant friend, and uh, actually, I received a very um, a, a a hip and modern looking postcard from Cody this week, and the image on it is of a world looking similar to Coruscant. It's covered in solid cityscape, and it has a seedy look to it though. And the wording on the card reads. Welcome to Danon, traveler. Your every desire can be found here in our glorious metropolis. Please keep a grip on your wallet. <laughs> from across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dave and GM Chris. Hi guys. I'm sorry it's been a bit since I've written you, but there's been some fallout from our last mission. After delivering Admiral Ozzel, 
excuse me, the late Admiral Ozzel to Lord Vader's death squadron of capital ships to lead the orbital assault on the planet Hoth. Things went from bad to worse. Even a fool could see that Ozzel exited hyperspace too soon, alerting the rebel scum on Hoth to our presence. We were called out to help with the planetary attack, but it was a ditch effort, and by the time my squad reached the remains of the rebel base, the rebel scum had fled. Lord Vader was displeased and took a rather extreme action that involved Admiral Ozzel's windpipe. Oh well. I think someone important may have gotten away, because Lord Vader soon summoned several bounty hunters to help locate his quarry. Ha! We don't need those scum. But nonetheless, my unit has been sent to summon a bounty hunter on the planet of Denon. Denon is a planet that's an entire city, like Coruscant, but uh, less glamorous. There's a fair amount of crime here, but it's not like it's Nar Shaddaa. Denon is in the authority of the corporate sector, you see, but right at the intersection of the Hardian Way and the Corellian Run, two of the largest hyperspace lanes in the galaxy. So commerce rules. Frankly, it's a bit of a smuggler's paradise from what it seems. People are here to buy and sell just about anything. What? I saw a Saurusub BX-19 Heavy Goobafish launcher just now. Oh, the only lethal Goobafish weapon in the galaxy. What a collection piece. Gotta see if I can't grab it on my way out. As is, Tanon seems a good place to get into all kinds of trouble, but many people do seem to make an honest living here. I've even heard rumors of a guild of bounty hunters that may have some kind of outpost here, and I've been told that some of the galaxy's most dangerous have gone through training here on Tanon. I don't know about all that, but if Imperial Intelligence sent us here to summon a bounty hunter for Lord Vader, there might be some truth to it. Oh well. Listen guys, we're about to land. See if we can locate this Dengar fellow. If you chips happen to find yourselves in the inner room territories, stop by and have a drink on Denon. The sights are nice, and you should get some great shopping in while you're here. Later, boys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Very nice. Yep. Very nice. I have, I've not been to Denon, but uh, I've heard the shopping is fantastic. Yep. They have, they have the Mall of the Galaxy there. That's what I hear. The Mall... <laughs> Nice. It's huge. Like, it's huge. Massive. There's a roller coaster inside yeah. the mall. Okay, it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's it's inside the mall. It, it's inside. Yeah. And you take and a wormhole from Macy's to Dillard's. Yeah. They they put they put a Farkin hyperdrive engine on it. I love it. Hmm, crickets. Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. All right. So, n- not to be outdone after I hit my little bit of a chiding, Elias. Elias <laughs> sends in a question. Let's get to a couple of these uh, red ones first, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll get to the ones that were sent in by email. Um, okay. So. Let us see which one is first. Which one should I do first, do you think? Oh, surprise me. All right, John. John. Just John. Is it just John? Yeah, John. There's no last name? Just John. (sighs) All right. Quick question. Does Force Slam affect already prone targets? I got into discussion with one of my players, and his contention 
was that the guy he had tied up prone of the square in front of him, on the square in front of him, would not take the force slam damage. I ruled the guy was in the cone, and without the ability that allows specific targeting, everyone in the cone took the slam, force or not. Your esteemed thoughts, please. So, does a does, does force slam affect already prone targets? All targets within a, four, a six square cone, butthead. Seems pretty, pretty clear much. to me. Pretty much. Uh, okay, for, the, for those following along in your storybooks at home, the ubiquitous force slam power located on page 97 of the core rulebook is perhaps the most common and flashy force power used by players. Use the force check versus fortitude deals damage to any targets in a six square cone, as well as knocking any target prone if it beats its fortitude defense. And of course, this power deals half damage on a miss. Of course, if they're already prone, you kind of can't knock them prone, but still, damage still occurs. The text of the power is pretty clear. Like Dave said, uh, it affects all targets in a six square cone and line of sight. That's pretty clear, whether they're prone or not. Prone doesn't really factor into it. If they're in the cone and they're in with line of, within line of sight, they get hit. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, what if, what if, like, and let me let me put put it to your player in a realistic perspective, okay? <laughs> Let's say you tie up a large creature like a Wookiee and you knock him prone. Even prone, he's still going to extend from the floor a fair ways, probably about the size of a Jawa, which is a small creature. Does that mean the Jawa just isn't going to be affected by Force Slam because he's so tiny? Small. Yeah, that's yeah. small. Yeah, probably yeah. not. So put that Does in your this, pipe and yeah. smoke it. Does this make sense, TJ? It makes perfect sense. I yeah. have nothing to add to that. All right, great. Awesome. Oh, dismiss. No, that's all right. Because, I mean, heck, it was a pretty simple question, really. Was yeah. 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 So, GM, you were right. Tell your player he's a moron. All right, the Hov posted up a good question on our forum, I think. Mm-hmm. He says, I was listening to, by the way, listen to the Hov on City of Doors. I was listening to episode number 73, and a question came to me while listening to the discussion of the Saboteur's device jammer talent. Ice jammer talent. Nice. Mm, could the jammer made by this talent target the breathing apparatus of a new beast, Keldor or Gand? It seems that under Raw it can, but it feels like that would violate the rules as intended. I know the device jammer, you know, was eroded to specify the device must have an electronic component, but I could find nothing to clarify if breath masks worn by these species met the requirement. Dude, you know. Mm. Uh, no, I, I, you know this is a good question, man. Um, I, you I don't know, see why I wouldn't. Well, I, 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 well, I, I don't, don't think know. it's okay. electronic. Personally, it, it, is it? Is, is a gas mask electronic? I don't know. It, no, it's not. Is a scuba breather electronic? Yes, it is. Um, so, okay, well, okay. Listen, for, we, we covered the coolness of Device Jammer. It's on page fifty-six of the Force Unleashed campaign guide, back in episode seventy-three. And when assembled, the Device Jammer, as we talked about jams a specific type of equipment within 12 squares any electronic device that is not a weapon or a droid so is it reasonable to use this on a breath mask uh several species do require a specialized breath mask to breathe okay before we talk specifics guys let's let's examine the intent of this power shall we the intent of this ability okay it it cannot affect a weapon or a droid I personally, I seriously doubt the intent was to allow you to incapacitate an entire race of beings off of their homeworld. Right. What, I mean, if if you do use this, what's next? Cool. C- can you use this on bionic limbs? Can a can a saboteur make Luke Skywalker's hand just stop working, or or no, or, or take Darth Vader out of a fight? What about a whole? Okay, no, what wait. about a whole no, 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 droid no. army? But, but if it's used, you're not taking them out of a fight. You're just incapacitating them for. 
maybe around until they move out of 12 squares. What about bionic They limbs? start choking. What, well, seriously, what about bionic Seriously, at that point, they can't move out of 12 squares. So, I mean, but, okay, now listen. The, 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 you're right. I'm, I'm talking about a red herring, TG. You're, 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 you have a point. With the breath mask itself, so what? You start choking. You move 12 squares away. You shoot the guy. Yeah? Right. She's the finster. Shoot <laughs> of a glass. I don't know. So, hey, I, is, I is, I, uh, I, never mind. Go ahead. Well, no, I see that. It's just that, I mean, as a GM, I think if you want to allow this and your this to work this way in your game, and the circumstance is pretty rare. Just be prepared for what may follow. That, that's really all I think. I mean, as a GM, I think this is against the intent of the rules, and I would not allow it. And if that's my because you're stuck up and mean like I, that. I guess so. I mean, because <laughs> my player, if my and, if, and again, if my player pitched a fit, I would you know tell, give him what for and, and say simply, you know, breath masks. Guess what? They aren't electronic devices. I mean, I don't know. TG, obviously, that's how you feel. Dave, what do you think? I think yes. Allow it or don't allow it? Uh, no, don't allow it. I don't. I think that the way rules as intended are AI. I believe the rules as intended was not for you to be able to, to do that. I just, I don't see it. I think it's creative it, use of that. It is. Of but that, 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 that is, talent. It's extremely valid, creative. That is valid. Uh-huh. And, and I do believe in rewarding creative use. So Yeah. yeah a, I, a GM should be prepared for their player to do that. But they shouldn't set up the scenario to expect their player to do that. So they should have both options, whether they use it that way or not, available. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I, I really and now don't that care it's been brought up in a in a podcast, I guarantee you, players are going to start wanting gonna, to use yeah. it that way. Yeah. So. And I would say generally, no, don't do it. And but have a good excuse why. Well, this particular breath mask that he's wearing is not electronic. It's a throwback from year twenty nine seventy four. Yes, on planet Earth. So, okay, I see. I see TG's point of view. I see. I see mine and Dave's. I, I think you could run either way. Just be prepared for the consequences. Either whether it's dealing with an angry player or you know uh, developing your game in the right question in the, in the right way. So there you go. Yep. There you go. All right. What's your so, short question? <laughs> all right. So yeah. next yeah. is uh, basically it's the Elias Windrider show. Oh yes. All right. So first question came to us in paper. Bounty Hunter Talent, Relentless, from the core book, says that any effect originating from the target of Relentless will not move the Bounty Hunter down the condition track. My question is, will poison, for example, paralytic poison, move the Bounty Hunter down the condition track if it is administered by the target of Relentless? The fine point is that the poison, as opposed to the target of Relentless, makes the attack against the Bounty Hunter's damage threshold. See? instead of, So instead of the attack roll coming from the guy, it comes from the mm-hmm. poison, right? Assuming Relentless does work against poison, what happens when Relentless is used against the target that has already poisoned you and the poison is making subsequent attacks? Okay. This is an interesting question, Elias. And, and for those of you who may recall from episode 13, back when we delved into the Bounty Hunter, we talked about the Relentless talent found on, found on page 208 of the core rulebook. Now, the extension of this a Hunter's target talent, which can only be used once in encounter, makes it so that any attack or effect, quote-unquote, from your Hunter's target that would move you down the condition track does not. That's pretty spiffy. So what about poison? Basic poison rules found on page 255 of the core rulebook. And as is specified, when to poison, it is the poison itself that makes an attack against your fortitude defense. And most poisons attack every round until treated. So does relentless work if your target poisons you? It is the poison making the attack. But the wording of relentless 
any attack or effect is deliciously ambiguous, and that could apply to a multitude of things. So some GMs, Elias, might interpret that this would not include a poison purchased and applied to a weapon, but it would include uh, maybe a poison coming from a talent, such as from the scoundrel's Malkite poisoner talent tree. Honestly, dude, I think it can go either way with it, but if you want to know how I would run it, I'd let... It, I'd let Relentless work against the poison if the target of Relentless is the one that poisoned you during that encounter. Why? Because I think Relentless is a heck of a prestige class talent and a third tier talent in its tree. This means you have to be at least 12th level by the time you get it. Minimum. And at 12th level, you're pretty badass. I mean, Jedi Masters are 13th level. And since you can only use this against one target during an encounter, I don't think that would be too imbalancing. I think it's cinematic. And a fun way to say that you shake off poison from such a target. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I mean, TG, what do you, did Dave agrees? TG, what do you think? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. It, for something that badass, 12th level, let, yeah, let them do it. If this was a first level ability, I might, I might, you know, pick bones about it, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want to make a case for the raw, I can see you saying, no, no, it's the poison making the attack. But eh, somebody poisons you, and I could classify that under an effect. Uh, under an effect, and again, considering the the badassery of this talent and how high level it is, I don't. I, I, that's kind of how I would run it. Yep. All right, sounds good. All right, so question number two from Elias, much shorter than his last. Oh. Hello, GM Dave, GM Chris, and TG. This is Elias Windrider. Thanks to GM Dave for telling me to make my call shorter if I want the mayor. Uh, personal question, Jim Dave. Would you, would your Wookiee Solera uh, try to destroy a shard Jedi in a replica droid body if you made an attack? Rules questions. You have a grenade launcher with dud grenades. By that, I mean they don't explode. If you tried to peg an opponent with a direct hit, would it take a negative five uh, penalty for being an improvised weapon? Would it deal a one die six bludgeoning damage like uh, move like an object does? Would it, would you, what would happen if you tried to peg an opponent who had a personal shield from KOTOR with a working stun grenade? Would it deal one, no damage on a miss and explode inside the energy shield on a hit? Flag, and I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. Also, my last call took 2 minutes and 30 seconds, not 3 minutes and 30 seconds. But who's counting? <laughs> Bye. See? There you go. And uh, yes, Solora would attack anything that resembled a droid because he's stupid. <laughs> Unless Thank somebody told him there was Amen. a Jedi. Oh. If, if somebody oh. if somebody told him there was a Jedi in there because he loves Jedi, so he probably wouldn't. Well, there you go. As for the mechanics question, um, Elias, there is one overriding factor here. Um, even even shooting dud grenades, a a grenade launcher shooting a grenade uh, does not attack a target. It attacks an intersection per the rules and per the errata. Therefore, saying that it could fly through and punch somebody in the chest wouldn't really work because that's not what grenades do normally. This same ruling also means I don't I don't know why personal shields would stop a stun grenade or why a stun grenade would get past them at all. They kind of get really close to your body, and since you're not even targeting the individual, you're targeting a square near them uh, and the energy's kind of uh, intersection near them. And since the energy is spewing out from that. I, per the raw and per the intent, I believe personal shields would work against a stun grenade regardless. Now, if you wanted to have a, a, a grenade launcher loaded with dead grenades and just use it as like a blunt instrument launcher, uh, you know, and you wanted to say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to hit an intersection. I want to try and hit a person with it. That's not game breaking in the least. And it's certainly fun to do. I would have absolutely no problem bending the raw or the RAI um, to do so. And just, you know, it wouldn't do a whole heck of a lot of damage. Maybe move light object, maybe one die six. That's uh, 
that's fun and flavorful. I, I can see that. So, yeah. Yippee. Excellent. So there you go. One last question from Asa TJ, and we'll move on to fragments. Hey, GM Chris and GM Dave. This is TJ, of course, Asa TJ on the forums. I haven't called in for a while, but I have a uh, question regarding suspending the rules. Um, my group, we just don't like to roll stuff, period. We use plan generation for characters and stuff. We're not into any sort of system where you might end up being wimpier than you could have and be permanently debilitated because of that. And I'm not sure if you've discussed this before on the show, but we were wondering if you guys had any recommendations on a flat HP gain per level to replace the hit dice Saga Edition uses. I thought about maybe trying to figure it out myself, but seeing as I've taken most of my levels in the Fluff Monkey Prestige class, I told my players that I would call some people with a few more levels in Crunchmaster. So if you could uh, maybe bring that up on the next show, we would appreciate it. Thanks. Dude, how awesome is that because we don't use hit dice? <laughs> no, we don't. We, I mean, seriously, in my games, Tej, um, I, I, I ask my players not to roll. I use the actually the Dawn of Defiance rule set, which is basically you still use the hit die, I guess, but you don't roll for it. You take a class's hit die, and when you level up, you get half that hit die plus one. So a soldier gets six points plus con every time they level. A scout gets five points plus con. A um, a scoundrel, uh, a noble, get uh, uh, four plus con every time they level. And the Jedi, of course, gets the six plus con. And the same goes with prestige classes. Just half plus one plus your con. That's kind of how... I run it. It's pretty static and pretty easy. Now, if you're talking about doing static, like regardless of class, I wouldn't recommend that. I think hit points are a major balancing factor between classes, and I don't believe your noble should be as robust as your soldier. Heck no. no. Don't use robust. Huh. Overused word. Robust. Dude, dude, I don't even have you guys roll for abilities. I use point by. Yeah. Well, um, point by is becoming much more in vogue. It definitely I, is. I prefer it better. I do, too. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, guys, I mean, those of us who cut our teeth in old-school role-playing, I mean, heck, man, first time I ever role-played in my life when I was, like, 11 years old and I was in the Boy Scouts, I rolled three die six in order, and those were my stats. First roll was strength, then dex, then con, boom, 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 okay? And, you know, rolling has a fun tradition, but... As far as balanced gameplay, I, I use point by for my players, my NPCs, everything. It just it makes it makes things more balanced in my experience. Better, it's so better. It's 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 so yep. better. And you guys, you guys in, in agreement with that? No, no dissension from either of you two. No, no, no dissension. Boom. There you go, Teach. Hope that helps, man. How about it? All right, let's take a few minutes off and take a listen to Alex Van D, Trevor C, Fragments from the Rim, and we'll be right back. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. And this is segment number 24 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about grabbing. Back in the D&D 3.5 games that we've played, Grappling was terribly confusing. I was most pleased to seize the changes that were made in the new edition of the Star Wars game. Here are the rules for how to grab. As a standard action, you can make a grab attack. A grab attack is treated as an unarmed attack, except that it doesn't deal damage and you take a minus five penalty on the attack roll. 
You can only grab an opponent up to one sized category larger than yourself and only one opponent at a time. Until it breaks the grab, a grabbed creature takes a minus two penalty on attack rolls unless it uses a natural weapon or a light weapon. Additionally, it cannot move until it breaks the grab. Breaking the grab is a standard action and automatically clears one grabber per character level. The grabbed creature chooses which grabber it clears if there are any left over. In and of itself, that's not a terribly powerful action. It's useful in certain situations if you're trying to slow somebody down and you don't want them to move, or at least to consume their standard actions, and it can be used on occasion, although I've rarely seen it used in our games. What makes it a little bit interesting, if you start taking a look at some of the new talents in the Legacy Campaign Guide. On page 31, you will find under the Soldier Talents, the Grabber and the Strong Grab Talents. The Grabber Talent says this, you do not take a minus five penalty when using the grab action. That's fairly useful, especially if you're going to build a character around this concept. The strong grab talent is much more useful. When you successfully grab an opponent, they must use a full round action instead of a standard action to break the grab. You want to ensure that your opponent can't get anywhere, doesn't get away. This is the way to do it. That's not all. What happens if we go over to the feet section? On page 36, you will find multi-grab. Prerequisite is a dexterity of 13, but the benefit is, as a standard action, you can make a grab attack against two targets adjacent to you. Roll a separate attack against each target. You must have two empty hands to use this feat. Think about what that can do, and then start thinking about what pin and crush and all of those other talents and abilities combined with this could do. I could see some very interesting characters being built around grabbing and grappling now. Over to you, Trevor. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the Zero Range feat, found on page 37 of the Legacy Era Campaign Guide. The prerequisite is point-blank shot, and the benefit is, whenever firing a ranged weapon at a target within or adjacent to your fighting space, you gain a plus one bonus to the attack roll and one die of damage on a hit. These effects do not stack with extra damage provided by burst fire or rapid fire feats, and doesn't apply to heavy weapons or vehicle weapons or in starship combat. Now, I don't see any of that as limiting. Those are just sort of making it nice balances to the game. But I think it's really neat, um, especially considering the difference between Star Wars and just about every other you know fantasy role-playing game I've ever played. You can make ranged combats with adjacent characters. All the other games, if you did that, it was an attack of opportunity. In this game, it's not an attack of opportunity. And this feat is not limited to any particular type of weapon. It's not an exotic weapon, it's not a heavy weapon, it's not a light weapon. It's just if you're shooting and you're next to somebody. So this is a nice universal feat that anybody can take, assuming that they have point blank shot, which most people who are going to be ranged fighters almost exclusively do pick up because of all the cascading feats that draw from that. So getting the extra plus one to hit is really nice, but also getting a plus one damage die is really nice. So this, again, gets the idea of mobility and movement and, and all those things. Uh, in, except in this case, you can now run up beside somebody and actually be more effective as a ranged combatant standing next to them than if you're across the room. Now, of course, you're opening yourself up to interesting melee attacks. But if they don't have melee attacks, then you've just got that lovely edge that they don't have. Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send Alex or I an email at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim.
As always, thank you very much, Alex, Trevor, for Fragments from the Rim. You guys do a great job. If I've never yeah, said man. it before, you guys do a great job. Thank you. Word. Big word. All right, so never let it be said that Jim Baca vanished like a fart in the wind. No joke. I, by the way, I, I absolutely love the name. And, and uh, by the way, Dave, I, I absolutely love Duel of the Fates. It sends chills up my spine every time I hear that little intro. Yep. So, a little while ago, uh, we, we get a PM from Jim Baca, and, and he writes this. He says, hi, guys. I was wondering if you had any plans on discussing the Assassin Prestige class in a future episode. I'm running a Dark Times Rebellion era game, and the PCs work for Vader and the Emperor. Does that sound familiar, TG? <laughs> yeah. My wife wants to play an Assassin and really likes it when the crew breaks down the Prestige classes. She's planning on playing the part of the Helpless Noble to cover her dark ways. Oh, any help noble. would be appreciated. Awesome. Yes. So, Jim, you know, with, with such a heartfelt request, we thought it might be good to get back to basics before Gen Con and help your wife build an assassin that can just be super assassin-y-like and stuff. She can yeah. be silent but deadly. <laughs> okay. SBDs. Oh, Where I think, that's Come on, my, that's my vote for the show title right there, silent but deadly. Uh, <laughs> Stinky, the, silent but deadly. See, I mean, that'll be like the fourth show title with something about fart in the title. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. The assass- what can I say? We're all grown-ups here, right? We're <laughs> grown-ups here. This is an adult podcast. <laughs> all right. All right. The Assassin Prestige class um, is very cool. It represents a very flavorful and fun character concept, as well as, honestly, a devastatingly effective combatant that any party would be glad to have. Assassins represent characters that kill for credits, not capture, not subdue. We're not talking bounty hunters here. They kill for money. Okay? And the bottom line, it's just business. So, assassins specialize in stealth, manipulation, massive damage, and both close-up and long-range kills. Despite the loner nature of an assassin, a properly built one can aid a party very well, but there is a general feeling to the assassin that is very dark. And you should check with your GM before heading down the route of DSPs and murder for hire. So let's sneak into our scum and villainy books, Gamer Nation. Sight down our scopes to page 28 and take the kill shot at the assassin. Well, let's, let's go very, very briefly over some of the basics, guys. Uh, prepping for the target. Um... It's not surprising that a fairly specific set of criterion is needed to get to the Assassin Prestige class, but what's interesting is that despite potentially squishy roots, the class itself is a frightful combatant and meat wall. Uh, so let's let's start with the with what we always start with the prerequisites here. Um, Dave, what what level do you think you need to be at to get into this Prestige class? Uh, oh wait, eight. <laughs> yes, you got to have seven levels under your belt, not base attack bonus, and this is a good thing. Just we'll see. There is one train skill that is required as a prerequisite for this prestige class. TJ, you get a, a stab in the dark. What you think it might be? Um, stab in the dark is only if I can hide in the dark and be stealthy. Ah! Very correct. 
and and stealth. Now this this mandates building an assassin with the core rules uh, that requires at least one level in either scoundrel or scout to get stealth. Um, now for most people this will be scoundrel because of the next two prerequisites. Oh. The ta- the talent dastardly strike. Um, yeah, this scoundrel talent is loved by many. Uh, basically, when you damage a flat-footed foe, you automatically move them down the condition track. Yeah. And the feat, which is the last prerequisite for this prestige class, is the feat Sniper. Sniper. This highly useful feat lets you ignore soft cover, which is cover granted by other characters. And its prerequisites, though, are point-blank and precise shot, as well as a base attack bonus of plus four. And remember, scoundrels get point-blank shot as a bonus feat at first level. So, kind of leaning towards the Scoundrel on this one. Bottom line, a single level in Scoundrel will satisfy a lot of the requirements, the skill, the talent, and the feat necessary to get Sniper, ultimately. Or be a Ghostbuster. Or be a Ghostbuster, yeah, absolutely. It might be tempting to go into Scout for some of the amazing stealth talents and the ranged combative ability that a Scout class can offer, but the double whammy hit you're going to take to your base attack bonus is not often worth it to most people. Both those classes have a poor base attack bonus. Yup. So that's how we get in. Now, when we look at the class itself, the basics, what is really shocking to me, guys, about the Assassin is that you're probably going to enter this prestige class with many levels in a class that has very low hit dice, poor base attack bonus. But now, as an Assassin, you become a complete badass. All right. D10 hit die. Yeah. Full, Full base attack bonus. And most prestige classes with a d10 hit die are better and a full base attack bonus then give you a massive bonus to fortitude not this prestige class you get a plus four to reflex and a plus two to fortitude so few prestige classes give you the full base attack d10 hit die and the massive boost to your reflex defense this is great it is absolutely fantastic i think it's awesome but i think the d10 is wasted the assassin is sneaking in the shadows so I, nobody uh, sees them to hit them. Well, that depends on the build, actually. And about half of the assassin's other abilities require you to get up and close and personal to your target. But we'll get to that here in a bit. Um, now, speaking of getting there, TG, why don't you tell us about some of the coolness that the assassin has in terms of its even level ability? Okay, so it gets Mark on its even level abilities, which um, which I, is I, where I, I think we really start to draw, right? I, I so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the start of an encounter, you get to select a single target in line of sight, and you get a static bonus to damage that is equal to half of your class level. And that adds to your half character level damage as well. I was was gonna ask that. Yeah, so if you reduce the target to zero hit points, you can make a new target your mark as a free, free action. Nice. So that's pretty cool. But the thing that's really nifty is that as a swift action, once an encounter, you can expend your mark to instantly and automatically make your target flat-footed against the next attack you made before the end of your next turn. Your next turn? Yes. So in essence, that's two rounds if you do it early. Correct. Nice. So you lose the mark for the rest of the encounter if you do this. Still! Still! But you get the opportunity to have somebody flat-footed for you. And there, there's no... You don't make an attack against Will. You don't make a deception check. You, it just it, you happens. Just, it just happens. That's... That's awesome. Yeah. I I think it's really cool, but it sounds very mechanical to me. How can it... How does How would something like that play out? 
Well, I think there's many ways that can that could happen. I mean, the GM could describe it in many ways. I mean, keep in mind, it's just once an encounter. And so, literally, you're such a practiced killer that you know how to quickly, one time, get the drop on your foe in a guaranteed way. And, you know, whether that's a, a quick feint or whether it's, a, you know, a surprise attack, um, I think, you know, I think it could be descriptively done a lot of ways. Yeah, assassins are masters at, like, making a little distraction of some sort and then you're flat-footed for just a second and then wham! Boom. Yeah. I mean, it's only, it is only one attack. You know, it's not like it's, it's not like he's flat-footed for two full rounds. This is correct. Now, the thing is that that, that one attack is very important. And as we'll see, the Assassin Prestige class, their bread and butter is jacking somebody up for a single hit. You know, making that foe flat-footed and then just pounding them with a with, with single massive devastating hit, a single shot, a single stab, and then fading away. Okay, so that, those are the basics, guys. Let's 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 now that we've 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 sort of scoped out, prepped for the target. Let's take aim, and talk about the more flashy abilities this prestige class offers. Now, among them are are the two new talent trees in this prestige class that drip with awesome sauce. Now, first of all, the assassin has access to the scoundrel's malkite poisoner talent tree, which is from Threats of the Galaxy, and two new talent trees for this prestige class as well the assassin talent tree wow. and the G- and the Gino Harden talent tree the assassin talent tree that's original i'm yeah. <laughs> giving kudos <laughs> to rodney thompson for that man <laughs> i'm going to bet rodney probably didn't write it but uh, uh most of the prestige classes often have it i mean look, dude there's a bounty hunter talent tree I know, for the bounty I know, hunter that's why right i just you could have a prestige camp pre- a prestige class of Coke can, and you'll have the Coke can talent and prestige. tree. Yeah, that's right, baby. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, I like the assassin talent tree. The assassin talent tree is all about setting up for a fight. I mean, like, it's, like, it's like you said like earlier, TG, sneaking around in the shadows and catching your foe unawares. It's about using trickery and planning to your advantage. And if you are caught in a straight-up fight, you can become elusive, you can become crafty. Uh, this talent tree Sounds is like about... a woman. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep, see? <laughs> That's that's, uh, crafty. Oh man! Just remember. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what does this female assassin using the assassin talent tree do? What can she do? Beautiful. A lot, but but again, it's about dealing massive damage with planning and and gaining extra actions and movement. So yes, very similar to the female persuasion. Dave, why don't you why don't you enlighten okay. us on the on the first talent in this? Chart? All right, so you've got I'm going to do two murderous arts one and two. So you can kill people good and kill people really good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. Now so how do you do all right, so uh, one. This is when you make a successful attack, you move your foe down the down the condition track, and I'm, I'm sorry, let me backtrack. When your successful attack moves a foe down the conditions track. The foe immediately takes an extra 1d6 of damage. Okay? So, remember now, you already have dastardly strikes, so setting up to find your uh, foe flat-footed is is really what you want here. So you're flat-footed, boom, you move down to condition track, and then extra 1d6. So, Murder Starts 2, it's Big Brother. Whenever you've hit a foe you've marked, you deal an extra 1d6 of damage. So every time you hit them, whenever you hit a foe you've marked? Yeah, pretty much. And if you actually expend your mark, at that point, you're going to make them flat-footed, so you'll get a 2-die-6 with Murderous Hearts 1 and Murderous Hearts and 2 combined. And 2. Yeah. How about that? But if you expend your mark, then you're not using your mark, right? Well, at that point, hopefully that would be the killing blow. Right. So. Okay. Mm. Cool. Well, TG, tell us about, uh, tell us about uh, the, the next talent in this tree. Well, that would be the Sniping Assassin. 
So the first of three talents that are dealing with the long-range assassination. Um, so hmm, I wonder what sniping assassin reward. <laughs> the sniper, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> so when you make a ranged attack against a target not at point-blank range, you add half your class level to damage. Yeah. So, so just think. Let's go to Dreamland, boys. Go with me. You're already time. adding half your character level, no matter what. And if you mark the target, you're adding half your class level again. This means that if you're a 10th level sniper shooting a long range against a marked target, you will deal plus 19 points of damage with this talent on top of whatever weapon damage you roll. Bam. That's not bad. Bam. The future that's, rock and roll. That's that's, that's not right. It's not super. And you gotta great. have the, uh, what? Well, no, it's not. It's, it's not. It's not super super great. It's cool. It's not. It's not. Oh my god! But it's it's pretty cool. Nineteen points. Um, what? The minimum you're gonna roll is three dice, right? So you're gonna do a minimum. No, no. Well, I could be using rapid strike, or I could be using dead eye and get an extra die. One of those. Well, ones. if you're not using anything else. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I, I feel you. I feel you. You're gonna do what? Three dice. So three minimum, you're going to have 22 points of damage every single time you hit 22 points minimum. That's true. Minimum. I think that's awesome. Minimum. Very, very true. Good. Awesome. But this, this sniping assassin is the, is the first of, is, it's a prerequisite for two others, yes? Yes. Right. Yes. The sniping marksman and then the sniping master. My master. <laughs> tell, tell us about Sniping Marksman and Sniping Master. Okay, so Sniping Marksman, once an encounter, when attacking a foe not at point-blank range, haha, that's why the previous one is a prereq, you ignore your foe's armor bonus to their reflex defense. And... Yeah, you don't think so? And I don't think it's going to come into play too terribly often. Dave, I don't know, how often do people have armor bonuses to their reflex defense? It's kind of meh. Yeah. But it's kind of if mad. you're adding your level instead of your armor, does no, it... No, armor bonus. Only if you're adding your armor, armor instead of your... Armor bonus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that hardly ever happens anymore. Yeah, yeah. Meh. Meh. But, so this, this... but this is a prereq for the last one, yes? Yes, for the sniping master one. Okay, well, so, tell, us, tell us about that. Against a target, not in point Oh, blank. yeah. Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. Let me go back. Not only do you not see armor bonus very often, but you also don't see point when you're not at point blank range very often. Well, but that deals with the whole series of these three talents, though. I mean, that the idea is is you, you're intentionally putting yourself not in point blank range yeah, to be a sniper. sniper. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. All right, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so if you've got sniping master, Dave, and you're not in point blank range, if your care, if your party will let you snipe from a distance and not charge in ahead of you. <laughs> They'll let you do it. You can aim as a single swift action. So this will give you the benefits of aiming while still allowing you to to take your move action to get gone after you shoot. So shoot and run. Basically. A aiming as a single swift action is pretty useful. Um, I don't see why. Well, I, th I think this is nifty. It's useful. It didn't seem like it should be a third tier uh, talent. I don't. Well, I, it, it, it depends because aiming can open up some really cool doors. But I know we're going to come to that later. Oh, man. Um, cool. So that's pretty cool. Now, the next talent I want to talk about in this tree is shift. 
All right, and this borrows a page from fourth edition D&D. It lets you move a single square as a move action that will not provoke an attack of opportunity. Yeah, this is straight out of fourth. 4E. Straight out of 4E and, and smacking of 352. But I like this ability. It's let you get out of some really tough situations if you happen to get stuck in melee combat. Um, but I also really like it because you, it positions you for the next talent that it's a prereq for, advantageous positioning. Now, TG, you were talking about you know, not getting close to your foe. This is where you're going to want to. Advantageous positioning. Any opponent that you flank is uh-huh. now flat-footed. Uh-huh. That's okay. awesome. Okay. We've had that, so we we just had our homage to fourth edition D anD D. Now the homage to third ah, to be yes, a third edition the rogue. rogue. <laughs> uh, this can be like super nasty if you're built for it. Okay, but again, we'll get there at the end of our discussion. Dave, what's next in this talent tree list? Get some distance. Ooh. So, the last two we talked about as prerequisites: once an encounter is a standard action, you make a melee attack against a foe and then move your speed without provoking an attack of opportunity. So this lets you get close, bitch slap them, and then get away. <laughs> Once an encounter, that's that's not bad. That's I would say that's reasonable. That's that's not an, oh my God, I have to have this. But that is actually pretty farkin' useful. Yeah. So, okay. That, that, that's that's not bad. That's not bad at all. What about, uh, what about the next talent, Dave? Uh, ruthless, huh? Ruthless yeah. is nice. So, finally... Once per encounter, when you drop a foe to zero hit points, you get a bonus standard action. That's not bad. So how about that for making a little bit of a getaway, let's say? Dude, after, you, you, after you take your shot from the grassy knoll, you get to get away. Dude, if you combine that with get some distance, I mean, you could potentially get triple your movement after making a melee attack, assuming it drops your foe. A I mean, flat-footed foe with all that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dude. if you spend some time in this prestige class, you could walk up behind somebody, and then <laughs> gone. That's right. <laughs> Otherwise, you go Dude. just like bape. That's that's really awesome. I, I like yep. ruthless. That's awesome. Love well, it too. The next talent tree only has four talents to it, and they're very interesting talents. Um, none of them have prerequisites, uh, and so you can take any of them. Now, this is the Geno Harden talent tree. Now, hardcore EU junkies or those who have played. Uh, um, uh, the, uh, the Knights of the Old Republic, the first game, will remember the Jinn Harden. They were introduced in the EU as the, the if you guys seen the movie Wanted, you know, with Angelina Jolie and, and Morgan Freeman and James McAvoy. The idea that there's this secret society of assassins that sort of shape the world, you know, kill one to save 10,000, yeah. you know, stuff like yeah. that. You know, and that, that's kind of it. So the, the Jinn Harden are this supposedly secret group of assassins that, that shape and secure the galaxy through death and dismemberment. <laughs> um, and I love this talent tree because it's all about using guile and the psychology of death to influence your foes. And the first talent is deadly repercussions. Basically, when you drop a target, when you drop a target, all foes in line of sight, line of sight of you and that target take a minus two on all attack rolls they make until the beginning of your next turn. Basically, you jack somebody up so bad that you scare the piss out of anyone watching. Nice. I think that's so cinematic. It's I, I love it. It's brilliant. Well, I I yeah yeah I see that as being very cinematic. It's terribly <laughs> cinematic. Um, now the next three kind of function off the same principle. Dave, why don't you hit us up with the next one? 
the manipulating strike. Once a turn, when you damage a foe with a non-area attack, you make a persuasion check versus the will of the foe. Success, and you choose what that target will do with a swift action on its next turn. So, God. what's the best use for this? Well, you're not going to get your second win, pal. Or if you do, you're not going to be able to move because they could take their move action and right. trade it in for Yeah, Swift. that's true. But, yeah. So you, yeah. but at least you know, they're going to keep them where they are. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a prereq, actually, for improved manipulating strike. Tell us about that. Uh, this actually allows you that when you use manipulating strike, you get to determine what it does with its move action. <laughs> so you so can you move, can move, your, move target. your target? Yeah. You can't now, move can him you into move, a hazard. Can you move him, like off a cliff or into a pile no, of lava you can't. Or you can't move him into a hazard, but still, man. I mean, now you can move your target and see what it does with a swift action. How about that? Now, how how does that how does that make sense? I mean, if I'm if I'm put it in put it in perspective of a movie. So if I'm watching the movie, how would I see this come into play? Oh, oh I have an answer for that. And, and of course you do. <laughs> I'll, I'll, allow me to elucidate the very last talent in this tree, and that will lead into it. Pulling okay. the strings. This this is even more how the heck do you roleplay this out, okay? Pulling the strings, make a persuasion check versus the will of the target within 12 squares. Success, and you, you move the target up to half its speed towards you through the safest route. And then you get to make an immediate melee or ranged attack against them, Okay. How do you roleplay this out? Have you ever, TG, you ever watched like action or suspense movies where the, the hapless victim wanders through the room in the dark following some noise or, or running from a noise thinking they're moving away from the danger but in actuality the killer is, is waiting for them and they're drawing them in and kind of maneuvering them closer to where they're actually hiding and ready to hurt them? Well, yeah. That is exactly how it would play out. But um, that seems like that victim would be flat-footed or wouldn't, wouldn't um, know where you are. Well, that's one scenario. It could vary as you go. But the, the point is, you're using the psychology of death, the psychology of combat, to help manipulate what your foe does. And that is not terribly unreasonable to me. How you describe it in game could be one of a myriad ways. And, you know, in, in, you know maneuvering your foe in a certain area. You know, uh, keep in I, mind. I think, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You've made a persuasion check versus the will of the foe, so it's in in effect you're using Jedi mind trick. Uh, in, in essence, and, and these these are mind affecting effects, so th that that is important to note. But you know, that, I don't know. That's kind of how I see it playing out. I think this is terribly cinematic, and for a creepy character like this, I think it's really fitting. So that's kind of how I I played out. Does that does that help any? That's a really powerful. I think that's more powerful yeah. than the previous talent tree. That's yeah, awesome. it's it's very powerful. So that's but why I think it's I'm harder saying. to explain role playing wise. It, it can be, but I would have a few can explanations for, uh, you know explanations for your players. But you know, like I said, this is a frightful combatant. So okay, to your point though. Okay, let's. So we we we've prepared for the target. We've aimed. Let's pull the trigger. How can we pull all this together? All right. There are a couple great focused merchants of death that can draw from this amazing well. So. Let's talk about them, okay? Um, Dave, what's the first build that we can really concretely draw okay. based off of this? The Unseen Sniper. This is the guy who sets he's up his shop. He's very mysterious. Yes. <laughs> he's very mysterious. Yeah, Terribly he sits mysterious. there just relentlessly setting up his shop. 
bang, drops a foe, and then simply disappears. Totally stealthy guy. Lots of skill focus. And probably the scoundrel talent stymie. Okay? I love that talent. So yeah, you can you can force a minus five to the perception check to your target. Yeah, so, or, or use the force checks or anything else. Stymie, right. fantastic talent. You know, since you'll be shooting from distance, um, you really don't need sneak attack. Um, you have to be within six squares to use it. So, you know, instead of, in, you know, get aim. You oh, yeah, know, yeah. It's like aim, dead eye, aim. careful shot. You know, I'll give you both. I'll, I'll give you bonuses when you're aiming. So, you know, as, as the assassin, you're working your way towards sniping master. And you'll be adding massive static damage to the mark foe from far away. Aim as a single swift and then move you and then move to fade away into the shadows. Boom, boom, boom. Bang. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, now, TG, what's the yes. next what's the next build that we kind of drew from this? Well, the next one would be the knife in the dark. The, so this yeah. this can be one of the more deadly variations of the assassin. Uh, it basically centers on a melee attack. So be sure to grab your weapon proficiency, advanced melee weapons. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, know what I mean, know what I mean. Go straight, scoundrel, and you pick up deadly strike. Dastardly. Then dastardly strike. You're right. Then three sneak attacks. As an assassin, go for murderous act arts one and two. Now, when you hit a flat-footed foe that you've marked, and remember, you can expend Mark to make them flat-footed. You're dealing an extra five die six of damage with a guaranteed step down the condition track. You're pretty much going to knock them out in one hit, almost, at this point. Probably two steps down the condition track since you're doing so much damage. Feints, your Mark ability, and other easy steps can make your foe flat-footed. But if you pick up shift and advantageous positioning, you do this extra damage and condition track movement simply by flanking them. Boom. See, so you see where that can really draw in and bring that melee combat into the assassin. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where I bring it in. So what do we have the last one? Well, this is kind of where we, I, I bring in what we were talking about with the pulling the strings. Okay. And you were talking about how do you represent this cinematically? I call this build the Dark Knight. No, Ooh, Batman? no, no, not not so much Batman, the Dark Knight, not the Robin toting nice guy who ties up criminals and flies away on his batarang. I'm talking about the psychotic weirdo who hides in the shadows, creeping people out and then drawing them closer before gutting them like the psychopath he is. All right. Oh, OK. So like, what was it? The first one where they're on that shipyard? Yeah, okay, yeah, the, 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 the the cargo crate scene from Batman begins. Yeah, and they they've got all those drugs that are in the yes, um, yes, like, you know, and the so, teddy bears and all know, those old guys are walking around and yes, and so I heard something. I saw a bat. Where is it? Where are you? You know, they're shooting yeah. in the darkness, not knowing where yeah. you are, and and then and then boom, you you just you do it. All right, improve manipulating strike and pulling the strings let you recreate that cargo scene straight out. Okay, and you know when you strike. You then use get some distance or ruthless to strike and then flat out disappear. Oh, that's so that's so Batman or no, the Dark no, Knight. The Dark Knight, exactly. Yeah. That's how it would play out. Um, you know, and the thing is, okay, the Dark Knight. What was he stealth? Did they not know he was there? Probably, probably not. Okay, but the thing is, you know, they they may, they can still know you're there, but you can still have that aura and that mystique, and you can describe that playing out in the game. I think that's delicious. So, oh. I, I, I would, I'd love to see this. 
Now you have a character you're working up towards uh, towards assassin, yes? I am, and I was over here shuffling through my folder of like eight characters <laughs> that I'm playing in different games, <laughs> and I can't decide which one it was. I think it's for one of Brev's games. I thought it, I thought it was for my dark side game. The the uh, the Tagruda you had created for my dark side game was going assassin. Mm, I'm looking at her, and it she, might it she, might she was a scout got... scout. <laughs> or she, yeah, 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 because she got dastardly strike. I, I think that's what you're going for, and and that kind of leads up to what that particular game that I was running, or that I'm still running. We haven't had session in a while for it, but I'm still running. It was a dark side game. It was okay. I know you guys are going to be totally evil, and that's the okay. You know, when your dark side score equals your equals your wisdom, you're you're not it's not character death. We'll go through, and we're using some house rule mechanics for that. But so okay, final thoughts, guys. Leading from that. Before you make this choice for your character, it's very important that you talk to your GM. Uh, the class does not specify that you need to be an assassin in order to take the class. The same way bounty hunter doesn't specify that you need to be a bounty hunter in order to take the class. Remember, a label is just a label. But your GM may have different ideas, especially if you want to dip into that Gino Harden talent tree. All right, make sure that you both are on the same page about where you want the character to go and what he or she will be doing. Like TG, in your case, you know, I didn't have a problem with you killing people for hire and earning DSPs doing it because it, it, it was a dark side game that was kind right. of the point. But you know, playing that character concept out, you're not just going to want to go. Oh, I'm going to do this. <laughs> you, you know, same thing with Sith Apprentice and Sith Lord. You want to talk to your GM and make sure he's okay with it, and make sure you guys come to an understanding about it and how it's going to play out. Terribly, terribly important. Yep. TG, any final thoughts from you? I mean, have have I managed to sway you somewhat away from the uh, you know you have to be a sniper in order to be an assassin? Yeah, I think you have. I could see its usefulness, and I I see why the the D10 can come into handy. Absolutely. And and quite frankly, since you're probably going to be having a D6 coming into this, uh, you know, from most likely scoundrel levels, you... You, you just wind up being averaged out then. Pretty much. You you need it. Um, you know, and, and a high reflex helps, but if you do get hit, you, you, you really do need it. So, there is that. So, thank you, Gamer Nation. I hope that, uh, that uh, elucidates you somewhat and enlightens you. And Jim Baca... Thank you for the request. I hope your wife has enjoyed the discussion and helps her plan out her character a little bit better. And uh, thank you all. Well, you know what that uh, means. I think that means it's time for the end of the show. Yeah, pretty much. Boo, boo, boo. Guys, thank you all for your wonderful question. We had a lot of questions this week, man. We had some good questions, too. Lots of questions, yeah. lots of bumpers. Keep the bumpers coming. How can they send us bumpers, Dave? Call them in. Lose a line. There you go. 206-600-5872. L-U-S-A. Lose Bumpers and questions. Send them. That's right, brother. Or email us. GM Dave at d20radio.com. GM Chris at d20radio.com. Tweet that goodness at d20radio.com. Okay, maybe not that one, but there should be. Mm. There should be, Dave. I I think we can rectify that. That's right. I think we need to set that up. We need to set that up. Okay. Special thanks thanks to Lou and Sewell. Special thanks to GoDaddy.com, ThinkGeek.com. All our sponsors, thank you very much for helping make this show everything it could be and more here on the Order 66 podcast. A part of the D20 Radio Network.
which expands every day. I know. Ugh. So we will not have a show until after Gen Con. Hopefully we will have all the goodness that that entails and everything that means that D20 Radio won something good. God, I hope so. Guys, thank you, everyone who voted for the Ennies. The Ennie voting is, of course, over. And, and thank you all for, for voting for us and showing your support. It's an honor to be nominated. And here's hoping we take the walk on the stage. And if not, I, even then, I'm not going to be disappointed. We were nominated. It was great that we were nominated. We are up against some excellent competition. Every single podcast we are up against is phenomenal. Yep. They did I, I, wouldn't, I would not say that any of them suck. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're in, we're in good company. That's no, that's no lie. We are. For those of you that are going to be at Gen Con the coming week, I can't wait to meet you all. Remember, twitter.com slash gmchris for updates. There you go. Follow me, twitter.com slash gmdave, and somebody registered twitter.com slash d20radio. And I'm not entirely sure who the hell did that, but I'm I'm trying to figure out who that is, and I might even contact Twitter to get that thing killed. <gasps> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's really uh, that's unfortunate. I guess that we didn't think about doing that, but why would someone? Oh, oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. Craziness. Anyway. Craziness. All right, guys. So I'll say, keep them dice rolling, Gamer Nation. May they be full of the force. Peace, love, and good gaming. This is TJ, also TJ on the forums, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Okay, except for one time, I was at a party, and everyone was passing it around, and they were telling me it was all natural, and it wasn't habit-forming, and okay, I need help. This is Donovan Morningfire, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Even still, looking forward to hanging out with some of you guys at Gen Con. Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con. Hi, uh, this is Henry Link again. I just wanted to call back and say what a great and fantastic job you guys are doing. Uh, probably one of the most professionally put together podcasts I've heard in a long time. Uh, though, like I was saying in my message earlier, that uh, I have nothing to do with any sort of uh, any nominations or voting. Uh, I know that you guys got my vote for sure whenever the voting comes around. Uh, just wanted to say great job, uh, at a boy and at a girl and everything else. And, uh, just wanted to say, keep up the great work, and may the force be with you guys. Thanks much. Bye. This is Louis Sewell, and I've heard that there have been base lies spread about me. So I want to clarify. I do not listen to the Order 66 podcast. That is all. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast.
Yeah, yay, post show. <laughs> yay, post show! <laughs> How long has it been? It's been a while, man. It's been several episodes. Years. Long time. Yeah, long, long time. So, <laughs> yes, indeed. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Okay, so we move from Todd Rundgren to um, somebody else. And, and another podcast that I listened to made fun of Nickelback, and I, I decided I wanted to do this, too. And guys out there in the Gamer Nation, if you own one Nickelback CD, you own them all. And here's my proof. Insofar as I've, I've, I've had an argument already that these is actually four songs put together. No, it's not. It's just one. All right. Here's Nickelback. And you've heard, here's all their songs played at the same time. So there you go. Okay, I hear two songs. I hear one song with words, and then I hear like another song in the background that has the same beat and cadence, which, you know, <laughs> that's about it. Um, quite, I, quite frankly, I could do that. I think I could do the same thing with Chili Pepper songs. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people you could do that with. I think you could do that with Bob Dylan to an extent. I think you could do that with uh, definitely. Um, oh, who's the the parrot head guy? That guy you could do that with. You know, I mean, there's Jimmy so Buffett. many. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know. You know, yeah. same chord structure, same basic thing. But that being said, I like Nickelback. So kiss off. <laughs> <laughs> I like Nickelback too, and they've got a lot more variety than some other artists out there. Like Chili Peppers. Uh, okay, they were creative the first time they did it, but now it's the twentieth time they've played the same song. Uh, I'm a Chili Peppers fan, and I. I, and I album sounds exactly the same. Nickelback has different sounds to their to the songs okay, on their album. I'm, I'm going now to what dis- they release sounds the same uh, because they're just, going, they I'm know what works. Disagree. I'm going to disagree with you, TG. And I understand I am a Nickelback fan, but I, I do believe all their songs sound the same. I just happen to like that sound. <laughs> <laughs> you just okay. like the sound, right? I just like that sound. And let me tell you what. And let me tell you what. Of all the concert venues I've been to in the last decade, nothing rocked my ass harder than the Nickelback show. Nothing. Oh my gosh! It was kick-ass. nothing. That was that was a rock concert, and it had been a hell of a long time since I'd been to a concert I would deem a rock concert. It kicked major booty. Rolling Stones was a good concert, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. But it but rock concert like Nickelback was. No, the Stones was good because it's the Stones. But but you know they're playing those songs for the eighty billionth time. They're tired of playing those songs. It was good, but sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. So, dude, dude, I'm so stoked about Gen Con. Ah! <laughs> it's brilliant. It's gonna be great. I haven't had my husband. Like, I haven't had a husband. See, that came out really wrong. <laughs> if I wanted to finish that sentence, it'd be in 24 hours. But. <laughs> what I meant to say was I haven't really had a husband in the past week and a half because he's been obsessed. Prepping. Yep. 
Yeah. But it's nice. This time he's the one stressing, not me. Last year I was the one stressing about the trip. Yeah. I'm really excited to get the to run the um the RPGA module. Um as well as my own module so I'll be running up there, but the RPGA module which we, we actually just got recently. Um prepping for it the murderer and the executor I, I was a little apprehensive at, at understanding i knew going in that it was going to be a level one module so level one pre-generated characters and i was like mm, but it looks to be a lot of fun and it's a murder mystery it's i, I can't i can't wait i think it's going to be good 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 times really good times yep oh yeah Louis will... go ahead what i was gonna say i think you i think you and i have hijacked uh, dave's i know right i'm so sorry <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> No, there was no, there is no hijacking of any Dave anything. Oh. This is just post show. This is we ramble on about anything we damn well please. Ramble, 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 ramble. Ramble, ramble. Heck yeah. Heck yes, as they say in the real world. I was trying to play Nickelback and then, of course, my, for some reason, my computer's not, I think I have too many programs open at the same time, so. Yeah. Uh, I have that problem a lot. <laughs> Yeah, well, as long as Audacity doesn't just gack right now, uh, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> Save. Save! Oh. Yeah. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. How's the football? Oh. How's oh. the football going? Uh, the football The football is... Man, the football goes well, sir. Yeah, man. How's your daughter doing? Well, the, the season's getting ready to start. My... Uh, Daughter is getting ready, doing two-a-days and all that, and she's managed to pull her hamstring, her hip flexor, and her Achilles tendon all on the same day. Good gravy. Yeah. She strained all three, so... crazy. Yeah, she's out for 10 days or so while she recoups. And should be all right. And they have a tournament this weekend up in Oklahoma. So they're headed up with... Um, you know how I mentioned her, the goalkeeper on the team is like. In fact, the the Courtney, she was in. The, she was like in the chat room, and her mom were in the chat room one day, a few episodes back, and um, Taylor's actually traveling with them because we have a wedding to go to on Saturday morning. So yeah, yeah. So I don't get to go watch her this weekend. I'm not entirely sure she's going to play very much anyway because she's coming off that injury. So. See, that's so nice of you to go to go to the wedding. I mean, because the wedding only happens once, right? But your daughter, yes, it's special that she's playing in these games, but she's going, she goes to so many of them. Unlike a certain someone that was invited to our wedding but didn't go because her son was playing in a soccer game in college. She'd watched her son play soccer since he was six years old but yeah. didn't come to our wedding because... Well, it depends. Was it the national championship game? No, no it was. Just, it was preseason. It was a preseason oh. soccer game. All right. Oh. Well, whoever that person is, you suck. All right. Thank you. And um, you know, that's it. I I doubt I don't want you to comment about your friend because you know, hey. But I'll say just you know, from a general humanity standpoint, you need to kill yourself. <laughs> Thanks okay. for that. That's that's yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you know, I don't want you guys to either disagree or agree with me because, you know, that just wouldn't be proper. But, uh, yeah, 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 you know, so anyway. All right, so um, have you seen the new Harry Potter? Not yet, although I understand it's the Empire Strikes Back of the Harry Potter films. Yeah, it's dark. So, all right, well, you know, Hans Gruber's in it. 
Oh yes, Hans yeah, well, Gruber. He's been, the, he's been in most of them now. Uh, yeah, but now he, you know, he's the defense in the, from the dark arts teacher. So yeah, that's that's right. now he's awesome. So Hans Hans Schiesten Finster. Yeah, he's he's Hans Gruber. It doesn't matter that he was in all <laughs> these other movies. He's Hans Gruber, man. Shoot of the glass. Although although the the what part he plays in. That? That's from the it's from the original Die Hard movie. Yeah, that's Die Hard. Remember, remember the original, the first Die Hard movie? Because I know, I know, I, ma- I sat down and made you watch it, where you know uh, Bruce Willis's character is, is is barefoot, and so he's having to run through the skyscraper, and he's he's got no shoes, uh-huh. and, and the scene where they shoot out the glass because the the bad guy played by Alan Rickman realizes he's barefoot. Yeah. And that's the line. It's the famous line. She's Finsta. and the you know the, the blonde German guy looks at him and goes, "What? Shoot the gloss." Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. We have a British actor playing a German guy. Very. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And see now, the chat room is absolutely. <laughs> the chat room is. If if you're in the chat room, don't and and you haven't seen or you know the sixth and se- and ultimately the seventh uh, or read the seventh book, don't look at the chat room because they're they're throwing out the the spoiler about. Uh, yeah. About Hans Gruber and. Um, yeah. Let's just say. Let's just say switch the faces off Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. So yeah, the Empire know, the uh, the Hans Gruber strikes back. The Hans Gruber strikes back. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it has it well the book's been out for years, but the movie's been out for about two weeks there, boy silence. Yeah, dude dude, boy silence, I, I you know, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but Americans usually don't read there, we we tend to we tend to be a more uh, uh, how do I put this nicely moronic people. We you know we 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 just watch movies. That's all we do. Yeah, we look at the screen, man. Except, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. <laughs> Except for me, this weekend, oh my gosh, oh. I found a series of books. Day chick books, chick books. They are, they are. They're chick books, and I'll admit it, and that's fine. And I'm not, I'm not usually a big chick book kind of girl, but. I've picked up these books and literally I started reading it at 1130 yesterday and I did not stop until 130 last night except to eat. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I even went to the restroom during that time. Whoa. <laughs> Frame it till after I was finished. TMI. I was like, oh, you know, I think I need a pee. <laughs> it's a good book. Anybody interested? It's called Sisters, Inc. I-N-K. And Rebecca Stites, I think is how you pronounce her name. And it's about four sisters. And they go through different life trials and tribulations. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. One girl's a lawyer in Orlando. And she comes back to the small town of Tennessee and sees that her high school sweetheart's there. But they have two different lives. And they can't make it work. But then she figures out how to make it work. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. And it's all happy and lovely. Oh, oh. Oh, and then another uh, one oh. starts dating a really great guy, and <laughs> but she was already dating another guy who happened to be married, and um, then she didn't want to break this other guy's heart by letting him know, and then she finally broke it off, and then he found out that she was dating a married cow, guy, and then the... all hell broke loose. Oh. And then the next book, one TG, of the TG. having problems. T- Wait. <laughs> Your BFF is asking asking you to stop. He's bleeding from the ears. The the <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling okay, you. Okay, it's got scrapbooking the chat, in there too. The, the chat room has gone from better. 87 down to 14 in the two minutes that you've been talking. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> the huge manatee. <laughs> Golly. Wow. Oh my. Wow. Okay. So oh, you know, with that, me. with that. <laughs> good luck, guys. I'm, I wish I could be with you in, in JetCon, but um, dude, dude. Hey. hey I, I, I still want you to me. like when they're announcing it. I want you to, like call me and put it on speakerphone. Uh, dude, I, I'm gonna tell you right now. You. This is cheesy as hell. You are with me. Yeah. You are with me. You, you are there. You are there in the smiling face of every child in the auditorium. You are there in the bleeding heart of every member of the Gamer Nation who is gleefully cheering us on in that auditorium. You are there in the PA that announces who the winner is going to be. <sighs> you are there. <laughs> Indeed. Gamer Nation, Thanks. we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking maybe around the 21st and 22nd of August. And by the way, by the way, for those of you who may be concerned or worried, we have gotten confirmation from Jedi Master Rodney Thompson. He will be joining us post-Gen Con, uh, either the second to last or last weekend in August to go over, uh, of course, all your questions and concerns regarding the Rebellion-era campaign guide and really delving into that. And we're going to post that up on the forums and all its goodness to give you guys time to get questions in. But that'll probably be our next right. big show. And so. hopefully sometime between now and then, BioWare will give us an update that actually has some content in it, and we'll do a holocron. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> guys, y'all have Good a Good night, Gamer Nation. Good night. Good night. Good luck.